2: I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire Family of Medical News sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas, and welcome to Urban Health Weekly, where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. I'm here with Jackie and Lou. How are you, my favorite people? Hey, guys. We're good. How are you?
0: I'm ready to go.
2: Well, awesome. So this baby formula shortage thing has really gotten out of control. Are you following this? Are you you, you keeping up with this, you guys?
1: The stakes are so high. What could be more emotional than that?
2: I'm telling you, fathers are driving thousands of miles to get formula. Kids with special formula needs and babies with allergies can't get their formulas. It's crazy. It is brutal. And moms are fighting each other now for formula in the aisles. Did you hear about the mom in the, the Massachusetts Target? Oh, my gosh. So... This mother was shopping at Target for baby formula. And you know, when someone gets the section that you want to get to before, and then you wait for them to get what they're getting. And they leave and then you get. So this mother's shopping at Target for baby formula. And she got the shock of her life, but she was waiting patiently for the person in front of her. And the woman takes all of the formula off the shelf and puts it into her shopping cart. The entire shelf just cleans it off. Wow. That's brazen. Yeah. So she captured the exchange uh, on a TikTok video as uh, she and the other woman uh, were going at it. And the other woman tried to justify what she'd done saying that she has to feed her baby. So let's listen. You have a full cart. Look at this. Look at all this. Look at the shelves. You don't think I need it for my baby too?
1: This is the whole reason why there's a formula shortage. You come and you buy all the formula at once. And there's kids who need formula today who won't be able to get it because you just bought it to stock up.
0: Sounds like mommy fights.
1: That's mommy fights. And that mom just pushed her cart away. And uh, by the way, I saw the video. She did not share
2: the formula with her.
1: I was going to say, wouldn't you automatically be like, "Oh, here, have some"?
2: But she yeah. didn't. Well, she I, just well, pushed I turned away. <laughs> well, I wouldn't do that to begin with. Like I, knowing there's a shortage and other mothers need some, and someone standing right behind me, I yeah, would my
1: gosh, it's brazen. Yeah, you would. You would yeah. automatically not load up your cart. Yeah, I just, 30, I yeah.
2: wouldn't do that in general. Right. Um, that woman was dead wrong dead dead wrong And then she tried to backpedal and then she's still like and then she still didn't give it away yeah she didn't say well oh my goodness I'm sorry here's some you know what I would have done if that would have been me what? I would have either reached into her cart and grabbed some, or I would have flagged down a, a manager, a store manager immediately and been like, that woman took all the formula. And, and- I would have, yeah,
1: that's how I would have done it. I would have gotten a manager involved. Yeah. yeah. What
0: I'm saying is when shortages happen, you know, it's the store's responsibility to put a thing and say only blah for customers. To re- yeah, to ration it. I remember when the COVID tests had first come out and there wasn't that many of them. They were like saying only two per customer, stuff like that, N95 mask, yada, yada, yada. Um, not that I wasn't the guy that went to the hardware store and bought all the N95 masks before, <laughs> before, people even,
1: before the sign went up.
0: <laughs> before, no, before the people even knew that he was supposed to get those. But, uh, but uh, you, you know, but that type of stuff. Um, you you absolutely, as a store manager, have to be responsible for you can't let people fight in the odds for things.
2: Yeah, that's pretty outrageous. I thought that one mom too, who
1: was filming, she had, I mean, her her voice was not strident. She she was being polite about it. I didn't think she was being, you know, too aggressive about it.
2: No, she wasn't being aggressive at all. And she had every right to be angry because she, you know, look at the position she's put in. But see, here's the thing. Like, this is what happens when you force people to compete for resources. And uh-huh. neither of those women should have ever been in that position to begin with. I mean, I, I don't even really know what to say. But you know what? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have this, this scarcity mentality and it's like this me first and only me attitude. And definitely then- that one mom
1: did, that's for yeah. sure. Wow.
2: And you have someone standing behind you knowing that they're waiting for this thing and to just clear off the shelf and walk out and then not even have the decency to, to say, well, yeah, all right, he has, he has some, I'm sorry. That, she's she's a bit
1: it. scary, that lady. Also, I don't believe that a sign would have stopped her because she was no. clearly, it had to be the manager intervening. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I would have probably reached into her cart and been like, no, you can take all of this. <laughs> and then if she had an issue, she could deal, she could take it to the, the, the manager. Or I would have done both. I would have said, look, this lady's trying to walk out with all the supply. You know, there's a shortage. Why don't you have a sign up? And the aunt, I would have reached into her cart and be like, no, you can't take all of this. <laughs> this no, no, ma'am. Anyway, so speaking of, of bad news happening around the, the country, so these abortion bans, you, 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 you guys have been following the news. You know that the yes. Supreme Court so far has decided that they are not going to intervene in states' rights to ban abortions. They're not overturning Roe v. Wade, everyone keeps saying that they're overturning Roe v. Wade, I guess effectively they are overturning Roe v. Wade, but technically they're not really overturning Roe v. Wade but they're not upholding it either they're just sitting back and saying we're not getting involved Mm -hmm. is, is really what's going on. But in any event, in effect, what's happening is all of these abortion bans are starting to It's placing
1: an undue burden is what's happening.
2: (laughs) Yes. And what's happening is it's starting to uh, create problems to access uh, other vital meds. So listen to this one. The medication that is prescribed to end a pregnancy isn't just used for abortions. One such drug prevents stomach ulcers and induces labor. Another is used for chemotherapy, arthritis, and lupus, but now, because of mounting restrictions on legal abortion, some pharmacists fear that if they fill prescriptions for these drugs, even for non-abortion reasons, they could be subject to civil lawsuits or criminal prosecution. In the state of Texas, where abortions have been severely restricted for more than eight months, this problem is already leading to administrative hassles and treatment delays that endanger patients and frustrate medical personnel. In an interview with the Slate podcast, What Next?, Natalie Crawford, an Austin-based OBGYN and fertility doctor, said that pharmacists in her area do not want to fill prescriptions for misoprostol, a drug commonly used to prevent stomach ulcers and induce labor. Crawford and other physicians sometimes use mis- Misopastrol to soften the cervix of a patient who isn't pregnant before performing a gynecological procedure, such as inserting an IUD, or examining the inside of her uterus. Misopastrol is also one part of a medication abortion, which accounts for more than half of abortions performed in the US. So when Texas pharmacists see a prescription from Misopastrol come in, There's definitely hesitation, said Ashley Garland, a clinical assistant professor at the University of Texas College of Pharmacy. It's turning to a colleague and saying, how do you feel about filling this? Would you fill this? Garland practices at pharmacies associated with HEB, a Texas supermarket chain. In the months since the abortion ban took effect, she's heard concerns from coworkers who worry they might be held liable for dispensing the medication if it were used for an illicit ab- abortion. Physicians can append a diagnose, diagnosis code to a prescription for its intended use. If a misoprostol stroke prescription arrives without one, Garland and her colleagues will now call the prescriber and document the diagnosis in the pharmacy records, both for insurance purposes and as a kind of protection against possible lawsuits. This extra layer of caution has made it more challenging for Jamie, a Houston OBGYN to provide care for patients experiencing miscarriages. By the way, Jamie, this is just a pseudonym she's using for her privacy. When some fetal tissue remains in the patient's uterus after a miscarriage, or if a patient's uterus has failed to expel a non-viable fetus, her doctor may prescribe misopistrol to complete the process. This is not an uncommon medical issue, but some pharmacies, including CVS, according to Jamie, now require their employees to speak directly to the prescriber on the phone before filling a misoprostol prescription. If they don't speak with someone or if the diagnosis code does not match their allowed codes, they will deny the prescription, she said. I have also run into issues with pharmacies not being able to reach us on a Friday or after hours or on the weekends when our offices are closed and denying the prescription. To make matters worse, the medical term for a miscarriage, which is spontaneous abortion, uh, has created some confusion because pharmacists and technicians don't always understand that the term does not mean elective abortion. Ooh, we. Wow. I don't even know what to say here other than this is a clusterfunk a giant clusterfunk
1: and it's just instilling fear in pharmacists it's yeah. placing an undue burden on doctors and patients yeah. this is yeah. just like it, it's intimidation
2: and aside from the pharmacists who genuinely don't genuinely don't want to get in trouble and the ones who don't want to be targeted by the community as being baby killers there are also pharmacists i'm worried about who are imposing like their anti-labor beliefs anti-abortion beliefs yeah. To try yeah, to it's an the, opportunity to, right, to delay, try to frustrate delay. the process, and this gives yeah. them cover, and they're hurting women who are already suffering from a loss. You know that's pretty outrageous. Uh, absolutely.
0: Well, you know, I think it's also going to hurt the smaller pharmacies because they're they're gonna they they don't have lawyers and, and advocates and all that. You know, I, I don't see this hurting Costco because they'll have a corporate policy. They'll train their people.
1: Oh, they'll they have, have a corporate- have a uh,
0: way Or the safety. But even pharmacy, but, but
2: even pharmacy as big as CVS, CVS is a pretty big chain and, and they're running CVS into problems- as
0: big as you get. And, but they're
2: running into problems with CVS even.
0: Well, they, they are running into problems now, but CVS's and those people will eventually-
1: They have a legal department.
0: Yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll have memos sent to people, they'll have policies, and within three to three to six months everything will be okay. I don't know. If you're a town pharmacy though, if, oh. and you are very much this way or that way, yes, that's... you may really run into problems because then you'll have people outside your store, yada mm. yada, yada. Yes. That, that's that's not gonna be a yeah. fun experience.
2: Well, a CVS spokesperson responded with a statement when asked about their missile policy. Our highest priority is ensuring safe and timely access to medications for our patients. We've educated our Texas pharmacy teams about changes in Texas law and its requirements and expect them to comply as they would with any other state regulation. That's pretty noncommittal.
1: Beautifully phrased by the legal department.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Intentionally <Really>? nothing <non-descript. laughs> Oh, wow. Well. Um, you know, I, I hope this works out. I hope they, they figure out maybe this is just a new normal for doctors. Maybe this is now, you know, they need to be a little more thorough when they're filling out paperwork. And I don't know. I don't know. I do I mean, I, I don't know. Long COVID patients say doctors are ignoring their symptoms. Two years into the pandemic and long COVID is still an incredibly misunderstood and under researched problem. It's estimated to affect up to 30% of the millions of people who contracted the coronavirus. Long COVID, which is when symptoms or new health conditions occur months or longer after the initial infection, even if it was mild, can happen in both adults and children. Symptoms can affect nearly any organ system, including the heart, lungs, kidney, brain, eyes, or skin, and they can vary widely and include fatigue, headaches, insomnia, heart palpitations, brain fog, muscle pain, and more. That's one reason why people with long COVID often feel invalidated, ignored, and dismissed by the medical professionals they so desperately seek answers from. We ask people to share their stories and not feeling heard is one of the most common themes unveiled across more than 300 responses. Sydney, 22, was told to suck it up by a nurse. A cardiologist told George, 37, that he was imagining things after rushing to the hospital two years after his initial infection with what he thought was a heart attack. Doctors told 38 year old Andrea to not think about COVID because he himself recovered with no lingering issues. I get that doctors are busy and drained from dealing with the pandemic for over two years said Lauren Scungio, 30 of Massachusetts. But many of the doctors I've seen don't seem to be keeping up with the latest COVID research. In the absence of that knowledge, many doctors are treating symptoms using a piecemeal approach and may not consider those symptoms as due to long COVID. Mm. What do you guys think?
0: Well, go ahead. I'll tell you. I I've read so many articles about COVID and, and it just keeps coming and coming and coming that. I, I think it's just human nature that some of the stuff is just not going to either be seen or you're going to think you saw it before because this new article has a small nuance of something that you didn't see and the difference between long COVID and regular COVID and blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of information out there. And it's not, it hasn't been put in the textbook form where you could follow it. It's it's basically in the in the uh, order of, alpha not alphabetical order, but in date order, almost COVID news. There's no, there's not really one great repository. Like in anatomy, we got Gray's Anatomy. You want to look something up, go there. Oh, but, I see
2: what you're saying. Yeah, do mm-hmm. we
0: have, yeah. you know- Maybe
2: there needs to be a journal called COVID.
0: Yeah, in <laughs> cardiology, you got Brumwald's, where he puts it all together. But when it comes to COVID, there is no text. There's yeah. no text. There's no one reference source yeah. that you as a physician can go. Your only reference source is your memory. Yeah. And, and I think they start to freak out a little bit here. Yeah. Or make mistakes. Yeah.
1: Aren't there starting to be some post-COVID clinics? Um, or it's just, dis- it's just not organized yet? It's not centralized. Is that what you're saying?
2: Well, yeah. There's no central repository for where you can go to Uh, as a, as a resource for all things COVID. That just doesn't exist yet. I think part of it is because a lot of people are still in denial. They think it's like a a flu or a cold and it it should pass. But I think what I think here is, I think that doctors are at a loss because they they're not trained to treat the whole body. And I think they're low key also kind of fed up with COVID in general. I mean, look—they were on the front they line. They want some right?
1: new material. <laughs> yeah, sure. which
2: is why I think there's like this kind of willful ignorance. And and now we
0: have monkeypox, so we can. Yeah. Now, uh, our yeah. House. Now it's like the biggest
2: distraction, yeah. right? So that's that's the new shiny thing. It's the monkeypox, and I think they just haven't bothered to educate themselves on the myriad of ways that COVID is affecting long-term sufferers.
1: You're going to end up being COVID specialists, like long-term COVID.
2: And I know that's going to spawn a whole new, are f- infectious disease doctors, are they ready for this or is it going to be like a COVIDist? You know what I mean? Like, Oh,
1: I hadn't thought of that.
2: You know, the, when you're an infectious disease specialist and your specialty is nothing but COVID. Now that's a new field that doctors can sort of get in.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
2: If they ever, you know, rally around that and create a curriculum that deals strictly with COVID, but everyone has to kind of be on board for that to take place and sort of accept that this is our new normal. It's not going away. It's not just going to recede into history like the Spanish flu. We still have the flu today. So it's just not going anywhere. And I think once the medical community wraps their minds around it and starts trudging forward, I think maybe we'll start to see some some changes and and some answers.
1: Hey, that article that you're putting up on the site uh, from Nature. That's a really good chart that affects- um, Oh my God,
2: yeah, the long of COVID-19, holy hell. 15. That's a really good
1: chart. And, I, and look how much like the percentage of people who have fatigue after, I mean, I still have periodic yeah, fatigue. You know?
2: 58 I'm gonna read, you know, just the top 20 off of this list because it's just an exhaustive list that goes on and on. Paranoia, arrhythmia, PTSD renal failure myocarditis new hypertension ocd dysphoria mood disorders throat pain stroke dizziness you know i have dizziness limb sputum diabetes mellitus discontinuous flushing that's just when your skin gets flushed Um, pulmonary fibrosis red eye psychiatric illness mental health chills sleep apnea Reduced pulmonary capacity, sleep disorder, intermittent fever. Yeah, I had intermittent fever. Yeah. Well, not fever necessarily. I had a high temperature. Didn't really reach the level of fever. Do you naturally have clinical. slightly low temperature. I, Some people have that. Um, no, I don't have a naturally low temperature. Um I, I am mean, yet yeah, the regular you know 98.1 but you know it was like hovering around like 99 yeah,
1: low grade. You know, it
2: yeah. barely broke a 100 sometimes and I think the, the what is it like 103 to be considered a fever I think 102.7 99,
0: 99.
2: Uh, they changed it to 99? No, no. fever 100. Oh
1: no 101.7 I think it was. Well I think for the school if your kid one. breaks a fever at 101.7. Oh, for
2: kids, it's 101. Okay. But yeah. what about for grownups? I don't know. I thought it was like 103. Okay, I could be wrong. Maybe it is 101. But I never reached a threshold. I was always like uh, nine. Oh, 10, you could 10, feel pretty 10. lousy at 99. Exactly. But it just clinically didn't. It's like if it's like when you have, you have pre-diabetes and the doctor says, well, come back when you have diabetes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I know. I don't want diabetes. I want to get better now. I don't want to get worse. <laughs> um, pain, palpitations, resting heart rate increase, cutaneous signs, uh, weight loss, and digestive disorders. I'm not. I'm going to stop there because it, it just goes, goes
1: on and uh, on. My
2: yeah. goodness, the amount of things. This should actually, in fact, be a journal just on its own. Yeah, because it's just it's just so far reaching the you know where this this thing goes. Uh, oh, gosh, I, I mean,
1: I, I foresee there's going to be long COVID specialists, just like there's Lyme specialists. I hope just, so. I yeah.
2: hope so. But I hope there are more. Are there a lot of Lyme disease specialists? There
1: are out. In, well, there's not that many, but there I mean, it's not like there's a big. They're spread out around the country, yes. I mean, they don't have like 50 Lyme specialists in in, you know, mm-hmm. in a series of few towns. Mm-hmm. They're spread out. But there are Lyme specialists. I mean. Yeah. Um, Someone's
2: anyway. gonna have to pick up that mantle and 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 one yeah. because it. it's 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 high time. We're getting to that time when we've gotta do that. Mm-hmm. Well, with everything going on in the news cycle, it seems kind of I don't know, inappropriate to talk about sex right now, but we are human beings and life Uh has to be lived, the living after all. Socialization and touch are essential to human survival and health. So with that in mind, what happens to your body when you haven't had sex in a while? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because with all this isolation, Um, And this lack of, you know, everything is Zoom nowadays and no one goes out anymore and everyone is afraid and they're hunkered down and they're hiding and they're anxious. You know, it's it's time for people to reconnect. So what happens? In the era of coronavirus, amid social distancing guidelines and widespread pandemic anxiety, people are saying that their sex lives have been negatively affected. Those in committed relationships included. So here are some things that can happen. This is just a a reminder of what can happen to you if you don't uh, engage in the (laughs) hanky-panky. It could get drier down there. Even when you're not aroused, your vaginal walls are moist and supple. But Dr. Greaves says that if you haven't gotten it on lately, your vagina might be on the drier side as you go about your regular routine. Dryness on its own isn't necessarily a problem, but it can feel uncomfortable. Your sex drive may take a hit. According to Dr. Greaves, it's possible that your libido will go down a bit during a period of abstinence. This might explain why. If you're not getting it on, you're probably not feeling as sexual as you do when you're doing it on a regular. And that can have an effect on your sex drive. You kind of use it or lose it. Anxiety or depression might set in. Having sex releases feel good brain chemicals like oxytocin and serotonin, lifting your mood and spirits. When your system isn't producing these brain chemicals in the same amounts, it can take a toll on your mental health. You could be dealing with skin hunger. There's a reason why doctors encourage humans to have as much skin-to-skin contact with loved ones as possible. Direct touch of your own skin to your partner's skin conveys emotion. Without it, you could be dealing with skin hunger or our body's reaction to a long-term lack of touch. Skin-to-skin contact can decrease (gasps) stress and improve self-esteem, potentially even boosting our immune system. It might take longer to get aroused when you do have sex again. After a sex break, it may take more time for the vagina to get sufficiently lubricated or for the tissues to fully relax, says Dr. Greaves. When you have regular sex, your vagina goes into arousal mode automatically. Take a long pause, however, and it needs more of a warm-up before getting back in the swing of things. Same goes for the penis. Erection issues are not uncommon after a dry spell.
1: What about so that really requires another person? Is what it comes
0: down to. Yeah,
2: it requires another that. person <laughs> or it requires, yeah. you know, some I'm
0: gonna get into that one. It
2: requires <laughs> help from your friendly neighborhood sex toy store. Right. yeah, that, sure.
1: that's what I'm not sure because I'm sure there's plenty of uh, you know. Self love going on because the internet exists. I'm sure that's been going on. I think it's implying it requires another person.
2: There's well, a, I mean, ideally, the you community, want to, you the interaction. I mean, a, a toy can't solve skin hunger, but I remember yeah. a friend telling me years ago. This was so interesting. We were just talking, and she was telling me that um, she went to go and get a manicure just so that she could be touched.
1: Ah, yeah.
2: I remember okay. thinking, wow, like to have to go out and find someone to touch you. It was striking that she said that to me that I needed to be touched. So I had to go and get, it it just, it just stuck with me. I was like, wow, wow. She needed to go and find someone to touch her. Like that's, that's intense. Wow. What
1: about massage? How about massage?
2: Oh, I haven't had a massage since then either. For the same reason. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I did? I bought one of those rolling things. See, you know, that's what
1: I'm saying. If they had a machine that like just gave you a really thorough head to toe massage.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That would be great though, wouldn't it? If you could just like get into some kind of squishy machine. They used to have that that at the mall.
0: Water would hit you. I remember that. Yeah. What was it called? I don't know. I I saw it in some of the fancy. uh,
1: I saw those at malls. They used to have that back
2: when there were malls. (laughs) <laughs> really yeah. and you got into this machine with your clothes on with your clothes yeah. on
0: uh-huh. yeah, and, and then jets of water would hit you uh they, they put the when the machine clothes it kind of puts a tarp over you and your head sticks out and then jets of water hit you in the side also
2: the water
1: almost like uh it's almost like a it looks like a tanning bed but oh, wow it's like a clamshell that way, and it like locks you in, and then it massages you. But is it's not amazing. human. I would I would have one of those machines if I. But had is the that carpet.
2: sanitary? Well, I, mean, like I guess, a lot of people well, are. It, how how do you
1: clean it? it? Well, I think oh. they would. They used to spray it down between, you know, like a tanning bed where they sprayed it down between um, clients. I guess, and you were wearing your clothes. So,
2: yeah, I'm not so sure that I would fly today. Well, if you owned your own. Well, that's can't, oh no, that wouldn't fly today. I don't know. Have you ever had a massage with your clothes on? I remember when I was pregnant and I couldn't really get massages. So they had like at the nail salon, they had, um, like, Oh the yeah, chair. they do that. Yeah. Where you wear they and just chair, and then massage yeah. your neck and your back and everything. Oh man. it was That's divine. great. That's
1: great. Yeah. And they do that over your
2: clothes. Yeah. I've had
1: thermology well, yeah. where you wear this special suit. You wear like a, it's basically like a spandex outfit and then and then uh and then they give you they essentially do this like massage with rollers to reduce your cellulite oh
2: <laughs> did that's, it work
1: uh it did it's a temporary thing you you need at least nine sessions like for it that back then sense. but that's that's older technology you know you that had to constantly like a it. Law. oh yeah it, it was like an hour process of like it
2: was ugh. the process Those sounds a little enjoyable. Yes. No, they have these things now called Theragun that you use, but that's like for sore muscles. It's like this powerful thing that like basically just punches you in your muscles. Oh, you seen that. Oh, it's okay. like, yeah, it, it looks kind of like a Hitachi, Looks
0: uh, threatening
2: but, but it's got like a handle and you put it, basically you hold it over your muscles. It's like pounding dough. And it just like pounds, 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 pounds into your it looks very scary. At one point I thought about getting it, but then I know me, i get it. i try it one time and I'd be it like- would go, oh. <laughs> would go into the appliance graveyard. It would go into the appliance purgatory because I would never use it again because it was so painful. But I find that the rollers work pretty nicely. You sit down on those like rollers. It's funny, my trainer used to give me the rollers and she'd be like, oh yeah, use the rollers. And I'd be like, yeah, okay. And now that I have them at home and I use them, I see the value in them. But after you get past a certain plateau in in fitness and you don't really get sore the way you used to and stuff. So I haven't really been using it. So it's
1: really for like the early stages of like- Yeah, yeah.
2: And and also like if you just have like a pinch somewhere or like a back pain, Lou, you've been talking about, you've got sciatica and stuff like that. You should try using- rolling do you have rolling uh, those rolling uh, things the therapeutic rolling things at home i don't
0: but um you, quite honestly with me it's like once i stop doing the thing that i'm not supposed to be doing which is sitting in the car for five hours it really <laughs> goes away so it's more about getting rid of the things that cause it than fixing it after i get it because it does go away pretty quickly after i you know it only lasts like a day and then the next day i'm fine -hmm. For now, but you know, let's hope. Let's hope it's temporary.
2: But do you think it would be beneficial, or are you just not willing to try?
0: I'm not willing to try, and I think it'll be beneficial. I I think. You're not willing to try. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's saying it like it is.
0: I'm Um, saying it like it is. Life is complicated enough without another gadget.
2: Who has time for that? Okay. (laughs) All right. Well. (sighs) All right, so study says seven is the ideal number of sleep hours for older adults. Seven hours of nightly sleep may be the sweet spot for optimal cognitive health in older adults, according to the results of a large study using patient data from the United Kingdom Biobank. The study, published in the Journal of Nature Aging, analyzed data from approximately 500,000 adults aged 38 to 73 years old. Participants were queried about their sleep habits and mental health and also received cognitive testing. Nearly 40,000 had received brain scans and had recorded genetic data. Participants who reported either more or less sleep than seven hours were more likely to have impaired cognition, including deficits in processing speed, visual attention, memory, and problem-solving skills, the researchers said. But those who slept for about seven hours each night experienced better cognitive performance and relatively good mental health they added okay how many hours of sleep are you guys getting
1: i just looked at my cpap machine number and it said 7 minutes 7 hours 52 minutes last night so look at you, look at you. Well, i'm not sure how much of that was all sleep because at some point you know you put your mask on and then you have to wait a little while and then you go to sleep so maybe close to 7 hours of sleep so i'm feeling pretty
2: good today you know, I always aim for seven hours and sometimes I for I seven hours, but for, for a, most of the time, my eyes kind of spring open at about uh, six hours. what, how long? Seven six hours? hours, six hours. Uh, my, my eyes kind of like, I'm awake. And like, I'll look at the clock and be like, oh, the alarm hasn't gone off yet. So
1: I'm just so gonna you lay... like kind of lay in bed for a little while. Yeah, and do...
2: because you know I feel like I should get seven hours, hmm. even though like I'm not tired after six hours. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. The only time I need like eight hours is like if I'm not feeling well. Also, so you're I'm...
1: kind of a fantastic sleeper because you said that you put your head on the pillow and when you get to sleep and sometimes I
2: sometimes wake up in that same position which I yeah, I don't toss and turn no I don't yeah that's I, amazing I go to sleep immediately as soon as my head hits the pillow I put my little blinders on I, my, my sound machine all of that I wow. set myself up with my legs elevated my that legs- has
0: never
1: happened my whole life.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's a, so it's a deep sleep. So I don't know if that's what makes a difference. What about you? Lou? How many hours do you get?
0: I I think it's between seven and eight hours. You know, I kind of track it with my watch. Mm -hmm. Not that I always wear it, but uh, I'd say five out of seven days I'll wear it. Mm -hmm. And it's usually the same. Uh, but usually it's three and a half hours and three and a half hours that you wake up take a, oh, take a bathroom and- break. Oh.
1: I get like that too, yeah, that it's yeah, like I never go more than four in a row. Yeah, and
0: it, it, basically, my watch tells me that, you know, I um, I go back to sleep after 10, 15 minutes. Um,
1: 15 minutes? What I was fuck? thinking that's pretty well, good.
0: I hit the that. head.
1: <laughs>
2: that's long.
0: Yeah, well, then I check. I check, I usually check, if it's baseball season, I check the scores or any score. Oh
2: my God, you get on the phone. I
0: check the scores. I make sure the world didn't blow up. uh, You know, just that kind of stuff. And then, then I I go back to sleep. Let
2: me tell you. Then he has second sleep. And then his second sleep. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.